We are continuing our series. It's a series on the Holy Spirit, and uh, I think we're, we're a few weeks into this now, and, and last week, how many of you here were here last week to listen to Wayne's sermon? That was just amazing, you know, and I got to admit, I'll admit this too, that there are times when we hear a sermon and, I mean, it's, they're good sermons, and, but like 30 minutes after the service, if, I, if someone were to ask me, hey, what was the sermon about? I'd be like, ah... Uh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember, right? But, uh, and it happens. I understand, you know, no worries if you do that with my sermons. That's okay, right? <laughs> but um, last week, I got to tell you, it was one of those sermons where I, I, I have a take home, and I'll never forget it, um, just about the importance of meeting God, and our understanding of God, our knowledge of God, cannot come from any other place Like no amount of textbooks, no amount of theology, no amount of doctrinal study can give you this understanding of God that we can have when we meet God, when we actually enter into his presence and have an experience with God. It's just like any other relationship. I can read about somebody on Facebook. I could get to know their profile and what their likes are, what their dislikes are. But until I meet them... I don't really fully know them. And, you know, that was just a powerful message last week. And I want to encourage you, um, if you weren't here, check out. It's on our podcast. And if you're listening to the podcast right now, listen to the one before today's, the one you're listening to now. I just want to encourage you to do that. It's a very powerful sermon. And it's very important for us as a church to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Because I believe the Holy Spirit in general... I believe in general in the West, has been pushed aside or pushed out of the church. We don't talk about him. In fact, we don't acknowledge his work in our life. And that's a tragedy. It's really difficult um, for God to fulfill his mission if, if the church pushes out the Holy Spirit. And I'm just so thankful at Trinity, that's totally not where we're at. I mean, we are a church that says, Holy Spirit, come have your way. Whatever is blocking your way, our way from getting to you, we want to remove those things, those hindrances, those mindsets, those attitudes, whatever they are. We want to push them out of the way so that the Holy Spirit can have full reign. And I believe that's important because as a church, we're entering into a new season. Here, not just here at Trinity, but the body of Christ across Canada, across North America, we are entering a very new season where the Holy Spirit, we need to be talking about the Holy Spirit. We need to have uh, a healthy understanding of who he is and what he does, how he empowers us. And it's very important for us to, you know, uh, bring those who are far from God close to God. And the Holy Spirit is going to be a vital role in that. And so um, that's why we're doing our series Um, and taking our time in this series. Now, I want to read a portion of scripture for you this morning. Uh, We're going to read from the book of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Luke, chapter 19, verse 1 to 10, and this is what it says. He entered Jericho, that's Jesus. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. 
And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Today, the message that I want to preach this morning is titled, Renovator of Our Hearts. The Holy Spirit is the renovator of our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for all the work that you are doing in our lives, in this church. We feel the shift, the winds of change. We sense your presence in ever-increasing measure. It's amazing. We thank you, God. We thank you. We long for more of you. God, we want to know more about you. And so, Lord, would you anoint the preaching of your word? Would you anoint your servant to preach your word? Anoint our hearts that we would receive your word, that the logos would be transformed into a rhema, that you would speak personally to each and every person in this church, in this building, and also those who are listening on the podcast We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Shortly after graduating university, one of the first jobs that I had was working for my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law, he was um, uh, an engineer at Toyota for many years. He's now, he just recently moved to California. But um, as he was working for Toyota, he also had uh, a number of properties Uh, rental properties uh, in in Kitchener, Cambridge, and Brantford. And one of the things that I did was, you know, basically help him with whatever work that needed to be done on his income properties. Now, there was this one property in Cambridge, okay? It was a fourplex. It was a house, actually, with, uh, so there was a basement apartment, uh, uh, like a main floor apartment, and two upstairs apartments. It was was quite large. And uh, the basement apartment... The tenants just took off, just left everything, including their vehicle. I mean, it was so weird. They just left all their furniture, all their goods, everything, and just disappeared. And from what we think, they just left the country. And so here we are left with all their stuff. And my brother-in-law was like, okay, James, we got to clean up. We got to clean it out because we need to get it ready for the next uh, renter. And so we, I go in, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I wish I could have shown you a picture. It was nasty. It was absolutely, it was filth. I mean, it was like they never threw out anything. They kept all their garbage. They had cats. They were smokers. I mean, it's like they never cleaned. You know, we walk in, it's just, you know, if you, if you know what I'm talking about, the smell of cat urine, right? I mean, it was like a one-two uppercut punch combo that I hit. Oh, my goodness. It was so terrible, you know. And I'm looking down, and I'm looking at this place. I'm like, what are we going to do? We got to burn this to the ground, man. I don't know what. There's just no way we could change this situation. But my brother-in-law, you know, he's a stand-up guy. He was like, listen, 
let's renovate this place so well to the point where we could live there. Like, let's, let's do that. Let's renovate it so that it would become a place that you and I would live in. And I'm like, wow, I thought that's impossible. It was that nasty, okay? But we got to work. I mean, all their furniture was there. We had to take all their furniture. Nothing was salvageable. There's, I, I wouldn't even give it to Value Village or anything. No way, right? So we just took it to the dump, several trips to the dump. And then finally, when everything was, we actually had to also call, like, got junk because there was that much stuff. We couldn't do it all. Got junk had to come and take all the other stuff. And then uh, once all the furniture and everything was gone, that's when the cleaning happened. We scrubbed that place from ceiling to floor, ripped out the carpet. I mean, it was the kitchen. Oh, my goodness. It was like they took dog food and club soda, mixed it up, and went we're like, why? You know, why would you, how could you live like this? It was just so nasty. And I remember scrubbing. I'm like, God, why am I doing this? <laughs> I feel like a slave, you know, like, what is this? And it was just, it was horrible. But you know what? Before we knew it, we totally cleaned that place out. Fresh coat of paint, new flooring, new lighting. And all of a sudden, it became a totally brand new place. I was shocked. The smell, the smell was gone. This place was a dungeon, but became a bright, livable space. It was dark, but it became bright. It was totally transformed. It became completely brand new. You see, in a spiritual sense, that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. The Holy Spirit completely transforms us from the inside out. The Holy Spirit renovates us. He renovates you and me. And he begins this internal renovation of our hearts. He, he, he begins this internal transformation to make us new. And the passage that we read this morning, it clearly shows that. What happens in the life of a person that meets God? Zacchaeus was totally changed. I mean, talk about the renovation of a heart. He was changed. This tax collector, who the Pharisees called a sinner, was completely changed. But you might be thinking, well, James, Luke 19 is describing Zacchaeus meeting Jesus. It doesn't talk about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about Jesus. And I would say, yeah, you're right. It doesn't mention the Holy Spirit specifically in this passage, but it certainly details the workings of the Holy Spirit. But let me show you something. Jesus said something very important that we need to remember um, before we go further. Jesus said something very important that we should note. He said this in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, in this passage, I want to highlight two words, and those words are another and helper. Okay, we're going to do a little bit of Greek today. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, it's all Greek to me. Okay, we're going we're gonna to learn some Greek today. Now, the Greek language is very complex. 
It's very complex, but in many ways, it's way more specific than the English language, okay? Because you'll have one word in the English that means all these different things, but in Greek, you'll have several words, right? Now, the first word I want to look at is the word helper, and the Greek word for helper is parakletos. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, about the parakletos, what that means. Parakletos, essentially, it means someone who comes alongside you. Okay? The word parakletos can mean encourager, comforter, mediator, advocate. And so what this is saying is that the Holy Spirit is someone who comes alongside you to advocate for us, to mediate for us, to help us, to come alongside us. Now, the second word that I want to look at is the word another. Okay? Another. This is so key. In fact, touch your neighbor and say, this is key. This is key. So important. Oh, I can't wait to get to this. Okay. Is the word another. Okay. Now, in the Greek language, there's two words for another. The first one is heteros. Okay. Heteros. Everyone say heteros. Okay. The word heteros means another of a different kind. Okay. How many of you guys like to get furniture from Ikea and put it together? Okay. Not a lot of people. I don't either, okay? I don't like it. My wife loves it. She loves going to Ikea and buying things and putting everything together. She's phenomenal, you know? But uh, anyways, so say you go to Ikea, you buy a shelf or a bookshelf or something, okay? It comes with all the hardware, and you have a, you have a screwdriver with a bit, and it's a Robertson bit. Does everyone know what a Robertson bit is? All right? It's the square. Steve, is that a Canadian thing? Yeah. Robertson? That's right. Made in Canada. Yeah? It's the square. Okay? Let me tell you, the squares work the best, man. I don't know what the Americans are thinking with the cross. It it slips out of that all the time. We have the superior bit. Just change to the Robertson. Why why do we have to have all these different types, you know? It's just unbelievable. Anyway, so you, you go to put together your Ikea shelf. You have a Robertson bit, and the screws are Phillips, which is the cross. Isn't that annoying? You're like, oh my goodness. So you have to go get another bit, another screwdriver. That's heteros, something of a different kind. Okay? The second word for another is the word alos. Everyone say alos. Okay? The word alos is another of the same kind. For instance, this past week, we were at the pastor's retreat. Okay, uh, David, myself, and, and Pastor Nick as well. We were up at uh, Stainer, and we had a great time. It was an all-day uh, event at Stainer on Tuesday, and uh, they fed us breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And br- lunch, oh, it was so good. We had soup and wraps, but the soup, there was uh, Italian wedding soup, which was okay. Well, I didn't have it, but anyway. Uh, we had Italian wedding soup, and then red Thai chili soup. I'm like, man, you know Asian food? This is amazing. And so I was like, I'll have that. I'll have the red Thai Thai curry chicken soup. It was red. It was spicy. It was glorious. And so I I had a bowl of that. I sat down. I I took a, a, you know, oh, do you know when your, your mouth is like singing? It's so good. It was so good. It was so good. I ate it so fast. And I was like, man, I need to go and get another soup. Okay. So I got back in line, which is a huge line to, for the soup. And I got back in line, and there's two choices. 
I could get the, the heteros, the Italian wedding. I think David had the Italian wedding. Was it good? Really? No, okay. Anyways, <laughs> I went back and got another red Thai chili soup, another soup of the same kind. That's alas. Okay. Now get ready for this, okay? When Jesus said that the Father would send another helper, that word for another is alas, another of the same kind. In other words, he was saying, God, send someone exactly like me, exactly what I do, exactly what I've been sent to do. You're going to send another exactly like that. And that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he encountered people, their lives were changed. The Holy Spirit, when he encounters people, their lives are changed. Same thing, same person. That's what Jesus was talking about. So all that to say that the Holy Spirit does what Jesus did. Jesus changed people. The Holy Spirit changes people. In fact, in John chapter 3, Jesus talks about this with Nicodemus. He says this in John 3, 5 to 6. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Can he enter? Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? He clearly had no idea what Jesus was talking about. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Jesus was describing what it's like for the Holy Spirit to come into a person's life. It's like they become born again. They come into something brand new. And that's what happened to Zacchaeus. That's what happened. He became a completely different person person. Zacchaeus underwent a total renovation of the heart. Now today I want to leave you with three things that happen when the Holy Spirit renovates your heart. First, the first renovating work that happens when the Holy Spirit comes into your life is this. Your object of worship changes. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, your object of worship changes. Zacchaeus, his object of worship changed. It was money. He worshipped money. He wanted more money. And he worshipped it so much, he valued it more than anything, including people. So much so that he defrauded people to get more of it. He worshipped it. Now, we all worship. We were all made to worship. Church, we were. We were all made to worship. We were all created to find within something our life's greatest treasure. We were made to discover within something our source of affection, adoration, exaltation, joy in something. We were all created to find in something the source of our worship. We were all created for that. We worship what we find our source of joy in. And so when we discover, you know, something that gives us joy, we say, I I want more of this. I want more. I find joy in this. I I want more of it. And we go on this path of discovering joy in something. And it takes up 
our whole life, our being. That's worship. We were all created to worship. And we go on this journey to find something. And when we find it, we worship until we find something better. And then we're like, oh, this brings me more joy. When we find God, the search for the top ends because in God, there's nothing that can top the joy we experience from God, from knowing God, from experiencing God. There's nothing that tops that. He becomes our source, our highest source of worship. The object of our worship is God. Our source of great joy becomes God. And all these things, these secondary things, we realize, oh, they used to command my worship, but they ceased to do so. So let's move it out of the way so we can focus on God who is my source of worship. That is what was happening to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus worshipped money, but he found something. He found God, and all of a sudden, money paled in comparison to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. And so he moves it out of the way for more of Jesus. How amazing is that? He found joy in something greater than money. He found what his soul was looking for. The Holy Spirit renovates our hearts to redirect our worship to what will ultimately give us great joy, and that's God. He directs our worship to God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The second renovating work that happens when the Holy Spirit comes into your life is you recognize your sin. You recognize your sin. Zacchaeus recognized that defrauding the people for his personal gain was wrong. This is what a tax collector did. It was normal. It was acceptable to their eyes to charge higher than what the Roman Empire required. That's what they just did it. Zacchaeus recognized that it was wrong and that it needed to be made right Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 8, and when he comes, that's the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, before coming to the Lord, I used to listen to a lot of rap music, gangster rap, violent stuff, glorifying violence and criminal activity, okay? And I just used to listen to it. I had all these CDs and MP3s and, and things on my computer. And I remember after I came to the Lord, I was listening to Tupac. And I'm like, you know, this is just not good for my soul. I just had this recognition that this is not good for my soul. And I just sensed the Lord moving me to get rid of all my CDs. I was like, oh, man. At first, I was like, man, that's a lot of CDs. That's a lot of music. Um, but I just came to this decision that it's not good for my soul. And so I got rid of all my CDs, got rid of all my uh, music files on my computer, and started buying worship uh, music. And I remember listening to Shout to the Lord. How many of you remember that song? Oh, what a powerful song, right? Shout to the Lord, all the earth. And I remember listening to that and just weeping at this vision I had of 
people from all the nations of the world gathering together. I, I'm convinced I'm gonna, we're going to see that one day. We're going to see every tribe, tongue, and nation come together in Kitchener. We're going to see that. Worshiping the King of Kings. And I had this vision and I started weeping. No other music can do that. I mean, sure, music can stir our souls, but I was moved with the vision, and it was just so powerful. It fed my soul in a way that nothing else really could. Now, I just want to say this, though, about the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. It's very important that we remember this. There is a huge difference between conviction and condemnation. I have a whole sermon on this. There's a big difference. The Holy Spirit is gentle in his conviction. In fact, when the Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin, there is an empowering to leave that sin behind and go towards what gives me life. Condemnation is like getting kicked in the dirt. You know, Jesus said in John 3, 17, right after the most famous verse in the Bible, that he didn't come into the world to condemn the world but that the world would be saved through him. That's a powerful statement. Condemnation doesn't come from God. Conviction comes. But let me tell you something. I said this a couple weeks ago. The Holy Spirit is like our personal GPS system. It's like having a GPS. God's positioning spirit. When we go off track a little bit, the Holy Spirit says, redirecting, recalculating. Go this way. You're going the wrong way. This way's better. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't kick you for going the wrong way. He says, look, this way's much better. Right? That's what happened to me. And that's how the Holy Spirit works in our lives to show us the better way. We need to remember that. He shows us the path that leads to life. And lastly, the third renovating work that happens when the Holy Spirit comes into your life is you begin to love others. And I mean truly love other people. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. People didn't like tax collectors. In the Roman Empire, people didn't like them because the Romans, they charged a hefty tax. They really did. And the Jewish people, they were already poor. And here are these tax collectors who were Jewish, collecting for the oppressing regime or empire. And it's like, what a sellout. They're, they're totally selling out our own people. And so the people just did not like tax collectors. There were different types. There were the regular tax collectors who would actually go and collect the tax. There were chief tax collectors who um, oversaw the regular tax collectors. Zacchaeus was one of those. He was very wealthy. So all the money that was skimmed off the top, I mean, Zacchaeus got a big portion of that. He was, he was rich. The Bible says that. In Luke 19, Zacchaeus was rich from scamming people. Okay? Now, although the people viewed Zacchaeus very negatively and tax collectors very negatively, the tax collectors in turn viewed the people as their source of income. Each person, it's like, what can I get from that person? What can I get from that person? Because they were collecting taxes like income tax, property, housing tax, fruit, grain, wine tax, um, 
even if they were carrying something from the market back home, they would be stopped. They could be stopped, and they would, get, they would take a look at what they had in their you know, sacks, and they could charge a tax for carrying it on a Roman road. Okay? And so this was like, that's how they viewed people. What can that person give me? What can this person, how can they fulfill my need? Something changed when he met Jesus. When the Holy Spirit clearly did something in his life, there was a reversal in the way he viewed people. People were no longer a source of receiving what he wanted. He saw people and said, how can I help them? I'm going to give half of my goods away. Half of them I'm giving away. I'm going to give back all those people that I frauded fourfold. Something changed. His perspective of people changed. That's what the Holy Spirit does when he enters our lives. He renovates our hearts so that we view people differently. We no longer view them through the lens of their behavior. We view them through the lens of what God created them to be. Amen? Amen. Sure, people may say and do foolish things. We see that all the time. But you know what? They do it because they don't know who they really are. And they don't know whose they really are. Once someone comes to understand whose they are, I belong to God. It changes everything. It changes and they see themselves. They begin to discover who they really are. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of that. And we see people through a completely different lens. We see people for how God created them in his image. That God purposed them into existence. No matter how cranky they are. There's a purpose. How can I help them find their purpose? Holy Spirit does that in our lives. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Hallelujah. The old has passed away. The new has come. You know, after that renovation project at my brother-in-law's house, I realized just as I had cleaned out and completely, completely changed that apartment, the Holy Spirit does that inside of us, cleansing us, renewing us, renovating us. And he does this the more we walk with him, the more we surrender to him and his work in our lives. He makes us new. You know, sometimes it's not comfortable. Ripping out carpet, scrubbing the dog food club soda mixture, whatever, the, whatever that was. It's not nice. And you got to really scrub, but sometimes it's not comfortable. But the outcome, I promise you, is much better than what we have now. Amen? And so may the Holy Spirit come into your life in a fresh way to renovate your hearts today. May he direct your worship to the King of kings and Lord of lords. 
the God who is worthy, the one in in whom our hope is found, the one in whom our joy is found, the one in whom our identity is found. May the Holy Spirit guide you out of sinful patterns and redirect your paths to paths of righteousness. And may the Holy Spirit give you eyes to see and ears to hear what he is saying about those around you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending us your Spirit to dwell with us and in us to transform us, to make us new. And he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We stand on that promise, God. You are not done. And we thank you that you love us so much that you long to dwell with us and in us. Have your way. On this Thanksgiving day, Lord, we just thank you for the God you are. A God who loves us, wants to commune with us, wants us to be made new. We love you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you.